Welcome to Discovery Church. Everyone who's watching us online or at one of our campuses, Cal State, North Bakersfield, make some noise if you're excited to be in God's house. Come on now. Amen. We are in this series called Unstoppable, the fourth installment of the series. And if you've been a part of the journey here about four weeks ago, four Sundays ago, um, we began with vision of sharing what God has done. Just last Sunday, by the way, last Sunday, we broke another record of baptism. 74 people got baptized last Sunday, man. Come on, give God some praise for that. Three of them were in our Cal State campus, Cal State Bakersfield students, man. That's awesome. So excited about what God is doing. You guys, from the beginning of Discovery, God has been moving powerfully and just kind of breaking down barriers. We started in a, in a living room and then moved into a warehouse right uh, over this right around the corner, right from here. Small little warehouse space, no air conditioning, but God moved consistently. We eventually like purchased or rented and leased more, more facilities, knocked down walls. God made a way for us to get this facility about six years ago and lease it, but it was like a worship center about that size. It was like, the, I think the wall was right here, you guys. It was just a, a section. Little by little, we, keep, we kept knocking down walls and growing and growing and growing until we're at, I mean, keep, people keep committing their life to Christ and getting baptized. And now we're at a stage where there's no more walls to knock down in, in this building. But every year, God has stretched us and we've been able to do more and more for the kingdom of God, outreaches and missions and in our city. And now we're seeing like, like us picking up our eyes and lifting bigger, ha having bigger faith than ever before. We believe that God, is, God has called us to be unstoppable, you guys. Like, we're not going to stop here just because we've, we've kind of arrived. There's no more walls to knock down. Okay, now let's kind of get comfortable here. No, there's not. There's so much more that God wants to do through his kingdom. So he's given us a fresh vision of what that would look like for us to expand and multiply campuses in East Bakersfield and North Bakersfield and throughout our valley and going as far away as Uganda and Mexico and in our, in our city as well through our Dream Center and uh, building a brand new building as well to, to occupy um, about 1,250 people. And so we started this initiative, Unstoppable, about four weeks ago. And we said it's an unstoppable church, unstoppable mission, and unstoppable faith. And every one of these three focuses had different uh, vision steps for us. And this kind of is leading us or accelerating us into the next stage of where God is taking us as a church. If you miss any of those messages, I encourage you to go watch those because uh, next Sunday is what we're calling Commitment Sunday. We've all been kind of talking about these commitment cards. We gave these out four weeks ago and this represents your spiritual commitment and your financial commitment in the next two years of, of Discovery Church and your part uh, as, it, as it relates to Discovery Church for us accomplishing the vision together. We actually gathered together on Friday night with just a hand, like our staff, pastors, some of our leaders and team members. And, and we wanted to go first in our, in our giving. And my wife and I, we, we wanted to go first and then invite some of the leaders to go first with us as well. And so we did it on, on, on Friday night and it was beautiful. We, and by the way, this is like uh, the biblical precedence comes from First Chronicles chapter 29. And I'll tell you more about that later. But that's where David was building the temple. And he was actually, he went first. He gave first before he asked anybody to do it. And then all the leaders gave before anyone else gave. And so I just wanted to follow the biblical mandate and for me to, follow, me to go first in sacrifice and generosity and then to ask our leaders and team to go first before anyone else does. So we did that last Friday and I'm really thrilled to share with you 113 families committed early to Unstoppable. Give God some praise for that. Come on, you guys. Amen. 
And even more, like probably even more exciting to me is that because there were a lot of new team members that were in the room, there was, um, let me get the number, nine out of those 113 households were brand new givers. That is amazing, you guys. People that have never taken a step to give are deciding to give. And some of you might be in that that camp, like a brand new person has never given before, but God is going to stretch your faith to give for the very first time towards our unstoppable vision. We looked at some of the results and I wanted to share some of the cases with you, some cool stuff that God did on Friday night with the team that came to worship and to give first. In one case, all right, here, check this out. You guys hear this, please. In one case, we had a family who multiplied their giving four times. Uh, going from $1,200 over two years, this is a two-year initiative, over two years to $5,000 in the next two years. Another family uh, multiplied their giving three times, going from 6000 in the last two years to 18000 in the next two years. Another family multiplied their giving six times, going from 6700 over the last two years to over 41000 in the next two years. Come on, will you give God some praise for what he's doing? Those amazing steps of generosity. A lot of you here have been, I know you've been on the journey and we've been, you've been hearing the messages and going through this and hearing the vision and maybe praying about it and talking to your spouses if you're, if you're married uh, and, and wondering like what your step would be. And some of you, I know God is going to challenge and encourage to be a part of, my encouragement to you is just like, like open your heart to God, this area of your life to God, the area of your resources, the area of your finances, and just say, God, it's yours. What do you want me to do with it? And I believe Jesus said he will build his church. You don't need me to tell you what that is. You have a Holy Spirit. All you have to do is listen to him. Can I get an amen, you guys? Okay, so we actually recorded those, some of those, those uh, team members that came early to give first. And uh, I wanted to share with you some of the things that they had to say. Check this video out. There will be a day in our future that you and I will see and step into where we have more people who are worshiping Jesus and call Discovery home. There will be more people that attend Discovery and worship at Discovery and are getting saved at Discovery and baptized at Discovery that, that are not here. It's all gonna be outside of this house, all of it. And that'll happen, that will happen. I promise you, it will happen. If we do not give up, that's it, that's it. That we'll reap a harvest, the harvest will come. It'll come in the proper time, we'll see it. I'll see it with my eyes. You'll see it, we'll walk into it together. There'll be a day where we have more than just what we're seeing right now, this Kairos moment. Love about Discovery Church. Discovery Church has felt like home from the minute I walked through the door. The Unstoppable movement really for us has given us something to be so excited about and something to look forward to. Um, uh, sometimes life can be really hard and unpredictable. My husband was diagnosed with stage four cancer recently and it's just given us uh, a purpose, um, something to really, we wanna build God's kingdom. What is it there to love? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great family all the way around. It probably put more on our heart to make a way. God has proven to me since we've been coming that it'll work out. And it always has, even when we gave, when we didn't have room to give, something came up and it was like, there it is. So now it's just like, I can trust that this is a family, this is home. Yeah. It isn't just a service. We, we felt welcome the first day we came. 
I want to give more to him because he's given everything for me. Every single day of my life, everything I have, he's given me. And I feel like Unstoppable is a way for me to just expand and give a little bit more back to him. Just seeing the abundance of people that I know we're going to get to um, serve here at Discovery. Um, every single person who's going to walk across the threshold of uh, the doors here and is going to feel like they have found home and that they will encounter God here. For me, the unstoppable journey means that we get an opportunity to tap into the resources of heaven and to just remind that God is limitless. The generational impact that that we can make as a church here in, in, the, uh, in the city of Bakersfield. What it meant for me and my family is um, when we were there right now worshiping God and thinking what we were gonna give, I, I sent the, the spirit of God on me so strong that I was just crying and I couldn't understand why. And I remember he gave me this picture like when I was like five years old where I was walking with nothing on dirt floors and I had nothing, I had nothing to give God. And, and I'm there holding the, the paperwork with my husband. And you know, I have a seat to give back to the temple and not just me, but what I went through as a child, my new generation, my new kids don't have to see that because they see an example of my husband and I that that God comes first. And it was just a powerful moment that I felt God that I, I brought you this far for you to give everything that I have given you since you were five years old. So that's what it means to me. Come on, is that cool or what, man? So this coming Sunday, next Sunday, is Commitment Sunday, October 8th, you guys. We'll all bring our commitment cards prayerfully, just asking God what that would look like. Our goal is a huge one, you guys. We're, our goal over the next two years is $13.5 million. But realize this, if we just said, you know what, status quo, let's not do anything else. Let's just maintain the status quo. If we just said, let's just continue to do what we're doing now, the, the outreaches we're doing now, the missions we're doing now, the people we're feeding now and clothing now, and let's just do what we're doing now and continue to do that. If we did that, maintain the status quo, we would receive $8 million over the next two years. About $4 million a year is what this church, you guys are a generous Church, you guys are amazing. Uh, and, and, but here's, let's face it. Our, what we're doing and the vision that we have is, is over and above. It's $5.5 million above what would be status quo so that we could accelerate the vision of what God is doing. So our kids, our youth, our, our outreach, our missions, the, the churches that we're planting that the, the, so that the vision of God could be accelerated through Discovery Church. And some of you are probably gonna be and could be like a lot of the families that came together on Friday night that could, that could give extravagantly. You could double and triple, even six times. And others of you are already giving extravagantly. You're already like doing it. So your giving increase will probably be smaller than that. But make no mistake, this is something that it's gonna take all of us who call Discovery home. This isn't gonna be on the back of just a few. But every single one of us, I believe if we all do our part, we can do a lot together. Amen, you guys. Amen. So if you want to go on the journey with us, then there's these booklets and commitment cards, and they're out here in the lobby, and there's t-shirts, unstoppable t-shirts as well, out there in the lobby, and grab that. 
and tom uh, tomorrow, next Sunday we'll come together and we'll bring our commitment. It'll be a beautiful thing of us just believing and trusting God together. Amen? All right, let me jump into the word today because we're in the fourth installment of a series called Unstoppable. And I want to talk to you about leaving a legacy, unstoppable legacy. This is a topic I'm passionate about because I'm at the stage of my life where I'm thinking a lot about um, what is going to be after my life. Does anyone else think, ever think about life after your life? Anyone else think about that? Okay, so I, hopefully I'll be able to help you out because there's only like five of you that uh, the rest of you think you're living forever or something. I don't know. But I'm gonna help you guys out to kind of like frame things appropriately. We're gonna, we're gonna use King David, a stage of his life, the end of his life as an example of how to leave a legacy. And towards the end of David's life, we're gonna study 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and 29 together. But he's 70, over 70 years old at this stage of his life. And he's gonna be remembered as the greatest king of all Israel. He had empowered people, advanced the kingdom. He had passion and wholehearted devotion for God. But the final test of David's life was going to be raising up the next king of Israel. And in God, God saw it fit to choose the son that was born to him out of an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. Isn't it just like God to turn your greatest embarrassing mistake into something for his glory? Okay, this guy, it's Solomon. Solomon, the, the son of his mistake would be the son that he needs to raise up and prepare for his legacy. David actually took a prayer out of Moses um, the, one of Moses' writings, it was transcribed in the Psalm. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days. I know that's not what you'd like to do, but I'm gonna help you out today. I hope that you'll live different by hearing a message like this today. King David said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. As a pastor, I've been in a lot of hospitals and been there at the final moments of people's lives and heard had the opportunity to hear them talk. And sometimes they couldn't talk at that moment, but I heard their family talk. I've done a lot of funerals and heard what, heard what people had to say. And I'd like to kind of phrase a question with you, put us in the right context today, wherever you're at. Here's the question. What will you leave when you leave? Will you just consider this question with me? What will I leave when I leave? Like, what am I going to leave behind? Because every one of us will. We, all of us, every single one of us are going to pass generational blessings or generational curses. What will I leave when I leave? First Chronicles chapter 28 and 29. Here's what King David does at the end of his life. At the, he's, he's 70 plus years old. He gathers all the leaders of Israel with Solomon for his final words. In First Chronicles chapter 28, he says this, Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees your heart, every heart, and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. You see, whether you're a king or an, a shepherd or a CEO, it doesn't matter. An hourly employee, it doesn't matter. We all have the same battle going on, and it's a battle for your hearts. What we leave when we leave is determined by who got the most of your heart. Did this world get the most of your heart? Did those people get the most of your heart? Did those things get the most of your heart? Did that hobby get the most of your heart? Or did King Jesus get the most of your heart? Who has it? Who has the most of your heart determines what you're gonna leave when you leave. Today, I wanna talk to you about leaving the right legacy. I love this word legacy. I wanna look at this word and and, and, and define it a little bit for you guys. Here's what I define legacy as. Legacy is, write it down, what people remember when we're gone. 
What do people remember about me when it's all said and done? There's going to be a day when you leave the earth and people are going to have a memorial service about you. What will they say on that stage or that platform in that moment at that graveside? What are they going to say? Psalm 112 verse 6 says this, those who are righteous will be remembered forever. Now the word righteous, by the way, doesn't mean perfect. It just means that that you determined, like righteous means you decided to choose the right path in Christ and he made you right, okay? It's those people who say, you know, I wanna live right in Christ. Those are people who are remembered forever. And now for any of you thinking like, but is that the right motivation to be remembered forever? No, not if it's the primary motivation, obviously not. But I want you to know that is not a wrong motivation. It is actually a good thing to want to have a good reputation, to leave something better for the next generation, that they would have good things to say about your life is actually a good motivation. In fact, God wired you to care about that, not to be overly focused on it and be selfish and wonder what everyone's thinking about you. No, 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 but to, but to actually care about that. You and I, God put inside of us chemicals and endorphins that are released when we're generous and when we serve others and we make a difference. You know why he did that? You know why he wired you that way? Because he wanted you to make a difference. He wanted you to live your life to make an impact for other people and to leave something after your life. Hebrews chapter six, verse 10 says, God is not unjust and he will not forget your work. Meaning he's not gonna forget the, those, the, the way you served, the way you gave, the way you loved, the way you took care of that person, all those things he's not gonna forget. And the love that you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Even like sociologists, you guys, they agree that the highest level of learning, living is, is this place called, they call it transcendence. It's where you're living your life beyond your life. That's what sociologists say. You're living your life beyond your life to leave a legacy. That is the highest level of living for a human being, according to sociologists. But we see God wired us this way all along. But legacy is more than that. Legacy is not just what people remember when I'm gone. Write this down. Legacy is what God remembers when I'm gone. What, is, what does he think about my life? See, why does God put that there inside of us and reward you, actually reward you when you do it? You know why? Because you wouldn't do it if it wasn't there. You would not live this way. Every single one of us has a gravitational pull towards selfishness. Every human, we all have to acknowledge this and realize this. Jason Hanish left to his own devices without the word of God, without the power of God, without the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I am a selfish human being without the grace of God. Okay, my nature, this nature, this man is selfish, is wicked. Okay, only by the grace of God, by the power of the transforming work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and his word, am I anything different than that? See, we forget that what we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others, that's what lives beyond us. That's what leaves a legacy. David is remembered as the greatest king of all Israel, not because of all of his achievements, and he achieved a lot of things, but that's not why he's remembered as the greatest king in Israel. He's remembered as the greatest king for what he did for the kingdom of God and for others. That's why. What he did for God's kingdom and for others. Jesus was actually counting on us leaving a legacy. Do you realize that? When he transferred the keys of the kingdom of heaven into our hands, he was actually counting on us, thinking about our life, what happens after our life, that we wouldn't just be consumed with our life. He was counting on, I got it, here's the keys of the kingdom. I'm trusting you that it ain't gonna die with you, that you're gonna pass it on to the next generation. 
the truth that you know, the wisdom that you know, the experience that I gave you, the, everything I've given to you that it would flow through you, not die with you. Okay, God trusts us with that. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the apostle Paul is explaining this to his uh, spiritual son, Timothy. Look what he says. Take the things you heard me say in front of many other witnesses, and I want them to pass from me through you to others. This is the way it's got to be in order for us to keep this thing going, in order for us to keep the gospel going, the kingdom of God going. It's got to pass through me, through you, to others. Pass on to faithful people who are capable of teaching others. You were not meant to just accumulate the wisdom, to store the experiences, to just all the sermons and all the books and all the resources that God actually gave you. God gave you that. You weren't meant to just accumulate that. It was meant to pass through you, to flow through you, to go through. You weren't meant to hold it, but to pass it. See, the reality is, please grab this in your spirit. You're not, you're not in a race you're in a relay. Life is not a race to a finish line. It is a relay. Everything you will pass down generational blessing or generational curses. This life, you don't get to the finish line and it's over. No, 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 no. You pass the baton and someone has to pick up what you put down. Someone has to clean up what you messed up. Okay. Life is, is not a race. It is a relay. The baton David was passing to Solomon was passion for God was, was, was a, a worship of God, was wholehearted devotion to God. See, the greatest investment of your life is not gonna be your 401k, you guys. The, the best investment of, of Dave, that David made was not into the temple, it was to Solomon, okay? People outlast buildings. People outlast companies. People outlast financial resources. See, I don't know if you've ever wondered or thought about what people would say at your memorial service. I've done memorial services where they're honestly sad. Some of them are really sad because people don't know what to say. They have nothing to say, nothing good in that moment to say. And it's extremely sad. And then I've done other funerals where you could not stop. You actually had to at some point go, okay, that's, that's enough. When I did my funeral for my brother just late last year, it was that way. They just poured in, poured in the impact that he made on other people's lives all over this city, over and over. We had to just like, okay, guys, how about you just send your stories or go to the reception and tell us more stories about it. There's, what are people going to say? Are they going to be reaching for something to say? Or are they going to actually have something good to say? What baton are you passing to the next generation? Many of us, myself, I, I did not get a baton passed to me from my father. Okay, And a lot of you, according to statistics, at least half of you, did not get a baton from your father. You didn't get something passed to you, right? I had to pick my baton up off the floor. It was, it was jacked up. It was dirty, it was beat up, it was broken, it was not passed to me. I had to pick that thing up off the board. We were living on food stamps and there was addiction and there was, there was abuse and there was just uh, uh, violence in, in my home. Listen, you gotta understand this. Man of God, woman of God, you can't control the legacy you receive, but you can control the legacy you leave. Pick up your baton and pass something better. Pick it up. I don't care. You can't control that. You can't control what they did to you or didn't do to you, but you can control picking that up and doing something better. Pick up your baton. David couldn't control the legacy he received from his dad, but David is going to show us today, even if you've messed up, 
Even if you didn't have role models growing up, you can still leave a legacy. Man of God, woman of God, you can still leave a legacy that is worth, worth people talking about. Be remembered forever. How? How do you be a legacy person? Write these down. Number one, legacy people have an eternal mindset. They live not for this world and their earth experience. They are looking far beyond their life. They live with an eternal mindset. Imagine with me, you have one hour left to live and you are in that bed, your bed, one hour left, and you call your family to you. Some of you, if you have kids, picture, kids are around. For some of you, maybe it's the future you. You got all your kids and family. They're all there. What final parting wisdom do you give to your kids? What is the final things that you would say? What is, what's meaningful in your life? Do you tell them, work hard, hustle, kid, do everything you can, get a lot of money, make all the money you can, you know, get on the top no matter what, find the right woman, you find the right woman, okay, don't get married, what would you say, I don't know, what would you say, what's the final parting things, because David, let me show you, it was actually recorded in scripture, these final moments of David, in, in 1 Kings chapter 2, it says, at the time of King David's death approach, he gave his charge to his son Solomon, Solomon came close to the bedside, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. He's living with an eternal mindset. He know, he's saying, I know where I'm going. I know where it's been. I've known this and I need to pass this baton on to you. This is where you're gonna go. Every person goes to this place. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. This is his final parting wisdom. I want you to succeed, kid, but you ain't gonna succeed like they're doing. You're not, it's not gonna look like that. I want you to know where you're going someday is where I am going. Be a man. Come on, some of you have never heard something like that from your parents, but you need to hear the word of God and the spirit of God telling you today, be a man. Take courage, be a man, be a man, be the woman God has called you to be. Be the woman God, live with an eternal mindset. You can make all the money in the world, you guys, and, but if you don't know your internal destination, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Legacy people, write this down somewhere, legacy people see life through the lens of eternity. We see life, we experience this life through the lens. I don't experience it for what this life is. No, no, I'm looking beyond this life. They realize what Jesus said in John chapter four, verse 35. Jesus said, open your eyes, meaning this, you're gonna have to focus really hard. You're gonna have to see some things. Listen, don't look at those opportunities. Don't look at those problems. Focus on God's kingdom because the field is ripe. The harvest is ripe. David wasn't concerned with just leaving his kid resources. He was concerned with leaving his kid a legacy. And there's a difference because some of you can leave resources, but are you leaving the right legacy? Second Corinthians chapter four says, we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Okay, there are things that are happening that cannot, I get so focused on my own experience, on my own life, on what I can see, what I can feel, but there is a kingdom operating in an invisible realm. You need to focus on the right things. 
If you're going to have, look, if you're going to be a legacy person and leave the right legacy, you need to focus on things that you cannot see. Like those 74 baptisms we just celebrated. You didn't see it, but you better be focused on it. You don't know what happened. You don't know the man who came back home to his kids and gave his life to Jesus after 20 years of running from him. And finally, their home is back together. You don't see that, but you better start focusing in the spirit on it. Okay, you don't see what's happening in kids' ministry right now that kids are getting prophesied over and spoken life into and tell them that their life matters and they're going to make a difference with their life and they are extremely valuable and loved by God and they've never been told that by anyone in their entire life. You don't see it, but you better start focusing on some things that you can't see. Are you all with me today? Are you hearing this, you guys? Legacy people, they live with an eternal mindset. They focus on things they cannot see for the things we see now will soon be gone. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. It's all gonna be gone. You can't take it with you. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So here's the reality, you guys. Write this down somewhere. The goal isn't to live on earth forever, okay? But to leave something that does. That's the goal. The goal isn't to be as healthy as possible and, and, and sculpt your abs as much as possible and eat all the right stuff. And, and I'm all about health, you guys. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the goal, to live life on earth. That's not to live long. The goal is to leave something that outlives you. That's what a legacy person is more focused on. A legacy person is more focused on what I'm leaving, not, not just how I'm living for me. Are y'all with me still, you guys? I know you want this. I know, you know why I know you want this? Because God put it inside of you. He put it there. He put it inside of every person to want to leave something better, to leave a legacy, to make a difference. Legacy people have an eternal mindset. Number two, legacy people understand sacrifice. And this is why so many people don't leave the right legacy because it costs something. If it was easy, everybody would do it, but it's not easy. It's gonna cost you something. I've come to the conclusion, no one can make a difference for the kingdom of God without giving up something. There is no difference that you can make for God's kingdom if you don't give up something. Let's go back to the story of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Verses, let me start at verse one and back up just a little bit. It says, now David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the leaders of the tribes and the commanders of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and overseers of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons with the officials and the mighty men. These are valiant warriors, David's valiant warriors. Imagine this with me. This is an amazing gathering, okay? This is the who's who of David's crew, his warriors, his men of valor, all the leaders. This is an, just a gathering of all like the, the, the leaders of Israel. And it says, King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed blood. He said to me, your son Solomon is the one who will build my house. Let me pause right here and just ask you a question. What do you do when you, when you have to accept that you will never do what you wanted to do? Because here's David, this was his life's goal. He wanted to build a permanent home for the ark of God, the temple of God. He wanted, it was just a tent. It was a tent. And, and, and here everyone is in these lavish homes. And he's like, but God's house is a tent. And I, he put it, and God says, that's not, what do, you, what do you do 
when the thing that you wanted to do, you know that you're not going to achieve it in your lifetime. Here's what you do. When you, when you realize that your life isn't a race and it's a relay, you set up the next generation to do what you couldn't do. That's what you do. And what so many people don't realize, they won't do it. Though. So many people who are selfish, if I don't get the experience, if I don't get the credit, then I'm not going to, why would I? No, your life is not a race. It's a relay. That's why we set up the next generation. Let me go into verse, uh, chapter 29. First Chronicles 29 continues. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced, a child at this time. He's going to carry a lot of weight, King Solomon. The work ahead of him is enormous, and the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. And now, look what David says, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all my own private treasures of gold and silver to help the construction. David said, I'm not going to see it in my lifetime, but I'm not living for my lifetime. I'm living for eternity. Amen, somebody? Do you see David? David is, is the, the heart of David. In the season of life where so many people filter like, like through the lens of the ticking clock of their life, how much more, here he is at this last stage of his life, and, and so many other people are thinking, how much more can I get? How much more can I experience? What more can I do before my time is up? I got a ticking clock, so how many more vacations can I get in? How many more things can I experience? How many more things can I taste myself? What can I do? What can I do? David is not consumed by the clock. He's driven by eternity. Legacy people understand sacrifice. They choose to do less for themselves so that they can do more for others. Here is David in front of all the leaders of Israel telling his son, take courage, be a man, get, give your whole heart in service to God willingly, wholeheartedly, and then he gives his own resources sacrificially for Solomon to build the temple. Now you probably get why Solomon asked for wisdom, though. the first thing he asked from God. Here he is, a kid who's been entrusted with all these things. He's standing around these men of valor and all these leaders who are now looking to him to build this temple, and he goes, God, I need wisdom wisdom. Help me, God. Okay. He becomes the wisest person who ever lived and the wealthiest person to ever live. You see, it's the wisdom of God that brings wealth. But instead of wealth owning you, when you got wisdom, you own it. Amen. This is a lot better than you responding right now. Okay. Again, come on now. Matthew chapter six, Jesus said it like this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Look, if you want to be a legacy person, that's not what we do. It's not that we can't experience life and enjoy life, but we understand we live different for eternity. I'm not going to store up my treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm living for eternity where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves can't break in and still, legacy people understand sacrifice. David modeled that. And in God's kingdom, success is determined by what we're willing to give up. Every new level of success comes with a new level of surrender. You can't, this is what success looks like in the kingdom of God. Success is determined by what you're willing to give up. Every new level of success, you have to give up and surrender something else. And if you're gonna leave a legacy, you have to understand the principle of sacrifice. Legacy people have an eternal mindset. Number three, legacy people live with a sense of urgency. They live with a sense of urgency. 
So let me say it this way. If you want to be a legacy person, and I think you do, again, because God put it there. God wired you this way to want to make a difference, to live this way. God put that desire in your heart. If you want to leave a legacy, do something today. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Encourage somebody today. Serve somebody today. Give today. Do it today. Live with a sense of urgency. God, teach us the number, our days, that we may live right. First Chronicles 28 says this. He continues. He tells Solomon, be strong and courageous and get to work. I love that. Can we just say get to work? One, two, three, get to work. I love this advice here. Don't live for someday, Solomon. I know you're young and I know you think you got time. Don't live for someday. You start living today. Get to work. Oh, someday I'll finally fix, you know, my my habits. Someday I'll get healthy. Someday I'll surrender it all. Someday I'll start serving. Someday I'll go to those group things. Someday I'll stop living for someday. Legacy people live for today. They have a sense of urgency. Don't be frightened by the size of the task for the Lord my God is with you and he will not forsake you. He will see to it that everything is finished correctly. Legacy people live this way. We have a sense of urgency. We can sense the kairos. I told you last week, the divine moment, the window of opportunity. We can sense the kairos moment. Second Timothy chapter four, Paul again speaking to Timothy, he says, I urge you, Timothy, as we live in the sight of God, and of Christ Jesus, who's coming in power, will judge the living and the dead to preach the word of God. And I love his final encouragement here. He says, never lose your sense of urgency in season and out of season. Never lose it. Timothy, I know you're excited now, but don't lose the excitement. Hey, I know we've been doing this for 10 years and I know we've seen God move and I know we're breaking baptism records and stuff and things. Never get on your heels though. Never lose your sense of urgency in season and out of season. Legacy people make the most of every day, every single day. Legacy is not a someday thing. Listen to me. Some of you are thinking like it's a someday. Someday, all someday. Legacy is not a someday thing. It's the accumulation of everyday little things. It's the small things that, that just accumulate day after day that are going to determine your legacy. It's not the big thing you're waiting for. It's you, instead of going home and sit in front of your TV, man of God, you go talk to your kid. Don't wait for something. Just, just do that consistently. Do it. Do it. And I promise you, you will leave a legacy. If you stop living for someday and you start living today, live with a sense of urgency. And if you're young, young people say, you don't have to wait till you're older. You're like, oh, I'll wait till I'm, I'll wait till I'm a little bit old. No, you don't have to wait. You can make a difference today. Amen. You can start changing the narrative today. Ephesians chapter five says it like this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Because it's short. Our days are short. I read this story a while back about this um, this guy named Alfred, he woke up one morning to read his own story in the obituary. He read it and, he's, and he was shocked because his, his brother had died the previous week, but they got the wrong, they got the wrong person. And, and not only did they get the wrong name, like, but they got you know, his story. They thought he died, so it's his actual life story. He's reading his obituary that morning. And the, the header on the obituary was Alfred Noble, Merchant of Death. Alfred Noble was the inventor of dynamite years ago. And at that time in history, dynamite was the leading cause of death by accident. 
Because there wasn't a lot of the regulations that we have today and stuff like that, laws. But, but so they were using it, and they were using it in ways that they probably should have. And it was killing so many people, but he's getting rich of it. He was extremely one of the most wealthiest men of, of, of that time because he made dynamite, but it was killing a lot of people. So it was merchant of death. And it's telling his story about the legacy he lived about a, a murderer, someone who got rich and so many people died for it. His lawyer calls him and is like, this, we are going to sue the newspaper. How dare they? This is they're attacking your character. Shares are going to go down. This is, this is bad. And Alfred goes, no, we're not. We're not because it's right. I'm just going to change my legacy. And so what Alfred did, he started to commit his life in a different direction. He didn't know, but he only had 10 more years left to live. Okay. But for the rest of his life, he wanted to be known not as a merchant of death and someone who, who, who caused death, but someone who caused peace in the world. And so every year he would like, he got, he had a lot of money. So he set aside a lot of his money and he would give an annual award to the person who brought the most peace to the world. And we call it still today, the Nobel Peace Prize. And people caught on. Obviously, they caught on after his death. They caught on and they kept it going and they would donate to it. And they would still today, every year, somebody is selected for a Nobel Peace Prize. Now he is remembered, not as a merchant of death. He changed it. And on his tombstone, he died 10 years later after reading his own obituary. He wrote this. Every man ought to have the chance to correct his obituary in midstream and write a new one. Listen, Man, woman, I don't know, dad, grandparent, mother, write a new one. Write a new one. Write a new one. Pick up the baton. Stop complaining about it, of what they did and what got past you. Pick up that baton. Dust that thing off. Deal with the things that they passed to you and determine, determine that it will not pass through you anymore. Pick up the baton and get to work. Write a new one. Acts chapter 13, verse 36 talks about David. This one line of his obituary kind of reads this. Now, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. What an amazing statement, right? Can that be said of you that, I I want that to be said of me. I, I want it to be said. Now, when Jason had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. I want to be known as someone who served God's purpose. I encourage you to take that blank, take that name, David, and insert yours. Now, when you had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. See, your legacy doesn't start when you die. It starts today. Today. Write a new legacy. Pick up the baton Be a man and write a new legacy. Pick up the baton, be a woman, and write a new legacy.